0: Um all right, well let's go isaiah thirty eight <clears throat> in those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, "Thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall you shall die, you shall not recover now, if you'll remember just a little review, um, Hezekiah has just gone through the invasion of Sennacherib, the sieging of the, of the uh, city of Sennacherib, of, of Jerusalem, and God killed, killed Sennacherib eventually, sent him home, had him assassinated, sent the Assyrians home, they've been defeated. And now as we turn to chapter 38, we're getting into the Babylonian section of the book. So we're done with the Assyrians. Now the Babylonian empire is gonna rise up, and, um, and this chapter 38 is kind of the start of that particular section. And you're going to see in chapter 39, a little bit later, that the Babylonian envoys are going to come to Hezekiah, and he's going to make some mistakes with them. That happens in the next chapter. But here we see the next test, and I don't think this is necessarily in chronological order. Like, nobody's actually sure, did Sennacherib come first, or did the giant boil come first? Because that's what his sickness is, as we're going to see, he has some sort of a boil, which, you know, sounds terrible. But um, that's what he's, what he's dealing with. So we don't exactly know the order, but Isaiah comes to him and says, set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. All right? Um, let me show you a few other Bible verses to show you this theme throughout the Scriptures, that phrase, set your house in order. All right, set your house in order. Listen to Genesis 49, verse 33. It says this, When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Right before Jacob died, what did he do? Do y'all know? He gathered all of his sons before him, and he prophesied over them, and he made sure before he died to set his house in order. Amen? In uh, 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, before David died, it says this, says, when David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God walking in his ways and keeping his statutes. And he goes on and on charging Solomon to be obedient to the commandments. You can see the same thing in Genesis chapter 50 with Joseph as well. You see throughout the scriptures, you see these these men who are um, oriented toward um, what we can call covenantal succession. They're oriented toward the future. They're oriented toward what's going to happen when they're gone. And they know that God's given them a household and it is their job to do what? To set it in order. That's right. To set it in order. Um, It literally is to give a charge, to give a final charge to your house. And God's saying to Hezekiah, he's saying, you're about to die get your house in order. Make sure everything is situated. And I just think we ought to apply this for a second, right? You um too just like Hezekiah are going to die. We could we could we could prophesy that right now. Isaiah could come in this room and he could say you shall die. And before that what would he say? He would say make sure your house is in order, right? And when are you going to die? Nobody knows. Nobody knows when you're going to die. So that means you need to set your house in order yesterday. You need to set your house in order yesterday. What are all the various aspects that you need to set in place? Let's go ahead and begin those things. Let's list them. You need to have a will. Absolutely. If you don't have a will, get a will. Now, if you don't have anything, I suppose it's not that important, but you need to at least say things about, like, where do the kids go? Things like that. And if you're new to having kids, you may not have thought about this before, but you need, if you don't say where the kids go, some uh, governmental bureaucrat is going to be involved in that. You don't want that to happen. Amen? So have a will. Uh, Crystal Guidry, by the way, in uh, at Christchurch Opelousas can help you with that. She writes wills, and it's not very expensive at all. She's a notary, and so she can do all of that. Uh, what else do you need to get in order? Okay, yeah. If you need to have burial plans, Sure. Uh, you need term and life insurance. I would agree with that. We're being very practical tonight. you yeah, know, very practical. That's, that's fine. This is a Dave Ramsey session, right? <laughs> yeah, some term life insurance. That's good. If you are a, a, a father and you have a wife and a bunch of kids, you must have term life insurance. You must have it. I'm commanding you to have it. So there, if you disobey, you're disobeying your pastor. You need... <laughs> And it is very cheap. It's like 20-something dollars a month. You'd be crazy not not to have that. That way, if you die, guess what? The church doesn't have to take care of your family, right? That's a loving thing to do, to make sure that if you die, that somebody else doesn't have to fit the bill. So get some term life insurance. And get it now while you're healthy. Because if you get some sort of a diagnosis, they're not going to give it to you. (sighs) Oh, do you do term life insurance? Now we got a guy for term life insurance. Do you do wills as well? Okay, Crystal for wills. Crystal Gidry, (laughs) that's her new her new last name. Crystal, sorry, Crystal Richard is her new name. Um, why did I say? Because I I knew her before she was married. Yeah, and 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 Ben for uh, insurance. What else do we need to do? This is very practical. I like this. I love practical stuff like this. Do what? Yes, make sure your children are going to live for the Lord by discipling them in the Lord, a.k.a. education, right? Educate them in the Lord. That's right. And there's no reason why you can't give your kids a Christian education at Christ Church. There is zero reason you can't do it. Ah, but what about the costs and the expenses? <laughs> yeah, we have scholarships. We have a benevolence fund. Like Everyone gets to have a Christian education. So if you can't afford it, talk to us. We'll put you to work. We'll do something. Right, we'll make it happen. All right, what else? They need a, you need a when you to put your house in order, you need to be providing for your family and paying the bills, right? Right? You need to be working your job, working your career, getting that established. You might n- you might not die tomorrow. You might die a long time from now. So what does a wise man do, says the Proverbs? A wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Now we can't we can't control the universe. We don't know what's going to happen. It's 2024. We might have nuclear war on our hands. I don't know. But one thing we can do is start working today so that all things being equal, our children's children will have an inheritance, and they won't blow it because they will have Christian virtue, and they'll be ready to pass that test when the time comes because you've given them a Christian education. You've given them a Christian worldview. You've given them Christian discipleship and discipline, right? Discipline. Get them in order. If your kids are unruly and out of control, get them in order. That's what Isaiah says to you. Get them in order with the, the tools that God has given you. That is the rod of discipline and the instruction in the word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. And um, this is very, very important. And so the, the, the point is that you have to be, when you're doing all these things, you have to be future oriented. You, you can't just live um, for the day, for today. Jesus says you're not supposed to worry about tomorrow, but he doesn't say don't plan for tomorrow, right? I mean, what do you think prophecy is? It's all about tomorrow. He doesn't say completely block your brain out about tomorrow. He just says don't have anxiety about tomorrow. Those, wor- those concerns will come later. It's like, you know, when you get anxious and you start worrying about, well, what about this and then this and then this is going to happen and this is going to happen? Usually it never pans out that way, Right. You're, and you're just walking down the, the 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 road into the future, and we say, just let's cross that bridge when we come to it. But when it comes to planning, you've got to do. You've got to think about the future. You can't just live, you know, right here. You got to think about the future. Amen. And if, and if the finances are a thing and, you don't look, and it doesn't look like you're ever going to be able to leave an inheritance for your children's children, you have to take the next step in faith. You do th- if you're faithful in the little things, then God can bless that and, and bring those into big things. God can turn a minimum wage job into, into an inheritance for your children's children if you would be faithful. He can part the Red Sea. Amen? All right, so let's be future-oriented. Let's be covenantal. That's just another way of saying covenantally-oriented, generationally-oriented. Amen. We want this church to be put in order. And the the number one thing we have to do for this church to be in order is for the households to be in order. And we all have to do that together. Amen? All right. <coughs> good, good, good. Now, um, let's continue reading. Well, I'm going to read this one more time. It says, the prophecy is, Thus says the Lord... Set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. And um, you can imagine as Hezekiah receives this prophecy, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but this um, this is like when Jonah went to Nineveh and said God's going to destroy the city. The implied reaction, the implied response is for the city of Nineveh to do what? Repent, that's right um god does this oftentimes like why does he tell hezekiah this because i think we can tell from the text that's because god wants hezekiah to pray to him and to trust in him and to depend on him so that god might heal him right so i think it's implied you're going to get sick you're going to die if you don't start depending on me and start asking me right it makes sense but this is what we call a test of faith, a test of faith. And in life, you're going to have several tests of faith. <laughs> and uh, and some of you are going through tests of faith, right? You know, Jared is definitely, and his family have been through and are in a test of faith, amen? And it's hard. It sucks, right? <laughs> You know, and it's, it's, uh, it's difficult, and there's, you're dealing with fears and, you're in, uh, and emotions and hopes and dreams, and, you know, it's tough. But what is, a, what is the question that every test of faith asks? Will you trust God? Will you be faithful with God, or will you cheat on Him? That's, that's what every, everything is asking. Will you remain loyal to God and continue to do the right thing and obey His commandments, walking by faith, Um, even when you're going through the test of faith. Is your faith genuine? Are you real? Are you actually a Christian? And a lot of times, tests of faith reveal that the person is not a Christian. But a lot of times, they reveal that they are a genuine Christian. Amen? And they persevere through that trial, and they grow stronger, and they know the Lord better, and they know themselves better. But y'all want to mention some tests of faith? (laughs) I've been through tests of faith, for sure, you know. I can I can list a few. It's important that your ch- your church community know that, right? I will say if you are going through a test of faith, you got t- you got to tell someone. You don't God does not um desire you to go through tests of faith alone. Amen. He gives you a community and that community has various gifts that he can use to uh, to help you through it, and it'll it'll draw you closer to your community. You got to think covenantally here. You're not a, you're not an individual alone. You are an individual, but that's not it. You're also a part of a, a covenantal community, your family, and your church. I'd like to say you can talk to your civil magistrates as well, but they'll probably make things worse. Um. <coughs> <laughs> yeah, they might shoot you. Um, let's consider, um, there are different types of tests of faith because there are different types. That's one thing I've grown to understand at 46 or 47 years old. I'm not sure right now, um, 47. Okay. 47 that there's different. There's like, there's you, you get tested in different ways. You know what I mean? It's like the heat test and the pressure test. And then you know, then the the water test. There's all these various tests. What are all the tests? Well, let's 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 go through all the different styles of tests. I'll let y'all. Yeah, I'll give you one. The waiting room test. That's uh that's the one Shira's in that she was thinking about. Well, yeah. it's okay, it's good. Oh, that was a test. No, the waiting room test. The waiting room test. If you want to have a baby. And you've just wanted to have a baby so long and you're in the waiting room and you're like, you know, when's the doctor going to call my name? Like I was, went to the doctor today and I waited like an hour. It was terrible. I just sat in the room waiting for him and an hour goes by. Nothing, nothing. Just the waiting room. Lord, have you forgotten me down here? You know, it's the waiting room test. And, and what's the question? Will you be faithful to the Lord? Right. Will you trust and obey? Will you stick to his commandments? Will you keep praying and asking him? Even if you're wrestling with the Lord, right? Even, even if, you know, even if you're just pouring out your emotions to the Lord, like, please, please, you know, you got the waiting room test. I, don't th- I think y'all are under- underestimating how hard that can be. That can be hard. Uh, th- so that's one example. Let's see, y'all got any more? Y'all not thought about these? <clears throat> you got the health, you got the health style, the health test, right? Bad health that comes that scares you it comes out of nowhere blindsides you. Sometimes it doesn't come out of nowhere. Sometimes you've seen it coming a long time. You kind of knew that was going to be a problem because you've been passing. You've been failing other tests, right? <laughs> but sometimes it blindsides you. Do wait, what? <laughs> you've been failing that donut test every morning, and now you got a health test, right? <clears throat> That's different. That's a little different. You. while waiting, right, (laughs) (coughs) yeah, yeah, you got the health test, you get blindsided, right, man, that's, wow, you, um, and Hezekiah is going to say it in a little while, but he says, basically, he says, I woke up this morning fine, and now I'm going to die, and that's kind of how death is, like, you're fine, and then one, and then you're like, oh, now I'm going to die, that is how it is, and that boy talk about sneak up on you, especially if you uh, have not been living sober minded, right? So that can sneak up on you, but that you're gonna there's gonna be a day at some point, and you're gonna wake up, and before you go to bed, you're gonna have you you are gonna not you're gonna die. That's right. Um, there's the financial tests. You ever had those? The financial tests. Those are different than the health tests, though, aren't they? But isn't it great? Not sometimes God gives you all the tests at once, but some usually he usually he spreads them out. Usually he spreads them out. But the financial test is different than the health test, different than the waiting room test, right? But you got the financial tests, and the question is: Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to trust him? Are you going to keep praying? And are you going to keep obeying? Are you going to are you going to keep your hope up? Are you going to get turned to despair and frustration, right? <coughs> what else? And there's two types of financial tests. There's two. There's the, uh, the lack, there's poverty, but prosperity is just as much a test. You get a windfall, like you weren't making that much money, and you get a new job, like Aaron, you get a new job, you're making six figures, like boom, overnight, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, so <laughs> claim that promise, <laughs> claim that promise. You're, <laughs> you just, you get a windfall, and now, like, that's a test, Are you going to use that money for the kingdom? Are you going to use that strategically? Are you going to save? Are you going to tithe? Are you going to leave an inheritance for your children's children? Are you going to invest in the right things, invest in value, right? Are you going to follow all the biblical principles when it comes to all that money, or are you going to squander it and wake up one day and wonder where all that went, right? And still be a debt, right? are you going to pass the financial test? But then there's the poverty test as well, right? There's the reputation tests, right? When, uh, when you're attacked, uh, when you're slandered, you, not everybody handles that well. Not every, it takes a little while <coughs> to get used to that sort of stuff and get a thick skin. But you get, you get worried, though. Like, you, you worry um, that people don't like you, like, or, th- or they're excluding you. Ah, you hear one thing. You hear one, one so- somebody said this to you about you. Oh, well now everything's a lie. I don't have friends. Right? Have you all ever had that before? Right. If yeah, if you're a girl that's lived more than like three minutes, you've had this one. <laughs> but everybody goes through it eventually. It seems like girls go through this way more than guys. But um, it, you go through this, though. But then there's also the, the reputation. Do what? The, amen. <laughs> right. There's the, the reputation test on the other end when you're exalted and when you're flattered by people and everyone thinks you're great. That's a test, too, isn't it? Will you use your fame and notoriety for the kingdom, or will you let it get to your head and and uh, and and fall off the path? Right. There's a reputation. I can, can keep going. I got tons of tests here. Y'all don't have any more. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The uh, straining of relationships, broken relationships. What a, that can be discouraging. That can be really discouraging. Right. You've invested all this time, and then bang. You know that's very difficult. You can be tempted to despair right, to, uh, you know, the the bad kind of guilt, like false guilt, right, all kind of stuff, that's tough, what else, well, I guess there's some uh, relationship tests, like uh, the, like when the, ba- the wrong kind of person meets you, right, you know, you got that person, that new person in the office, if those of you who are in the office, you got that new lady, or that new man in the office, right, and, you know, they, they are, you know, all the things that you wish your husband was. You know, y- they have all the, you know, all they're just perfect. It's kind of a fantasy. That's how it works. But um, there's that relationship test. That's big. Will you be faithful? Will you pass? Joseph, remember, Joseph went through that test with Potiphar's wife, and he passed that test. <coughs> um, you got the Absalom tests, um, which uh, we've been going through on Sunday school. There's the Absalom tests. If you, if you are in an organization, you're going to have that. Uh, you got sexual tests, right? You got uh, vengeance tests, like someone just did you wrong, and you wish that a bus would roll over them twice, <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> have y'all? None of y'all have ever gone through that? You haven't had that, <laughs> right? <laughs> you would have. You would have pref- been fine with lightning from the heavens, or. Uh, <laughs> Just a Prius, just a Prius. <laughs> Don't kill them, just maim them. Yeah, just, yeah. You have the vengeance tests. Will you let God be God, or, or or will you keep hating them in your heart and keep you know meditating and cursing them, right? Or or will you just will you let that go and give that over to the Lord? That you got the vengeance tests as well. You got persecution tests when people come at you or or whatever, right? Grief, a- any sort of a loss, yeah absolutely any sort of a loss sadness wow so the question that every test of faith asks and you're going to have them I don't know how many you're going to have in your life you're going to I know that you're going to have the exact amount that you need right Um, no more no less I don't know how many you're going to have and I don't if you're not going through a test right now you will be going through a test soon enough soon enough and so just it, it really helps to be aware that this is how God deals with us. He tests our faith. He tests our faith to see if we're going to stick close to him, if we're going to be faithful, or are we going to cheat on him. And uh, and that's just part of the, the, the life. The only way your faith gets stronger and your relationship with God gets stronger is if it gets, you know, gets in the weight room a little bit. And that's just, just how it is. All right. Amen. All right. Will you trust and obey him or will you obey the messages of the world, right? Will you eat the forbidden fruit or will you not, basically? All right, let's move on to verse 2, kind of see how Hezekiah handles it. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. So that's good. He's, he's turning to the Lord in his testing, in his time of test. You know, I, I think I've always been um, disappointed in myself that I don't turn sooner, that I don't turn sooner. Sometimes I'll just be like just filled with anxiety and negativity or whatever and then it'll dawn on me why don't you just pray about this idiot why don't you why Why just sit there and just be anxious and worry ward about it why don't you just pray about it right okay okay yeah why didn't I do that sooner why didn't I do that sooner and uh I just I hate that 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 minutes can go by or maybe a half a day can go by before I, I cast that care on the Lord but there is that that lag there and so but Hezekiah you know, Hezekiah is a good king. He's a very faithful king, a very righteous king. He turns his face to the wall. I'm not sure what that's about, but <coughs> that's where he prays. Maybe, maybe the wall is, is east toward the temple or something like that. And he prayed to the Lord, or west toward the temple, or whichever way the temple was from where he was, and said, please, O Lord, Yahweh, that is, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness, and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight, and Hezekiah wept bitterly. Um, now you see, I, I think that the reason why God told him this is because it's a test of faith, and he wants he wants Hezekiah to respond in hope and trust, <laughs> and, and in prayer, and um, and he does that. And in verse four, let's keep going. In response to the prayer, God's response. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and will defend this city. So look at the promises. I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and will defend this city. So you see, there's a little confusion about the chronology of this. We're not exactly sure what comes first and at what, you know, when is this happening. Is this the Sennacherib invasion or is this another invasion? Or, but um, that's not necessarily important for us um, today. And then God gives him a sign, verse 7. <coughs> this shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining shadow. Sun on the dial of Ahaz turned back ten steps, so the sun turned back on the dial, the ten steps by which it had had to climb. So, what is the miracle that God showed? The sign and the wonder. He made the earth uh, rotate backwards. I guess right, or he moved. I don't think the m- sun really moves. Or he moved the sun. He rotated the 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 sun. I guess is going around like this while also. <coughs> rotating like this so i'm guessing the earth is spinning and he stops and spins it back and then spins it up again that's a pretty big miracle right (laughs) i mean that's other than the resurrection and the incarnation that might be the biggest because just think of all that that would affect if i mean think of all that that would affect so i guess if god can do that hezekiah he can heal you right (laughs) you know healing hezekiah is nothing compared to making the earth spin the opposite way for a bit and then come back around. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's daylight savings time, right? (coughs) Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's another one. But, he, but God says, look, I'm not just going to say that I love you and that I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to give you a sign. That's a pretty big sign, the earth spinning backwards on its axis. But, um, not, but and a lot of those signs are miracles. And so you call a miracle, that's a sign, you call it a wonder. So we say that phrase, signs and wonders. So when Jesus came and he was walking around on earth saying, I'm the Messiah, repent and believe, um, he performed miracles. And those miracles were signs to attest to the truth of his claims, and to the validity of his promises. Make sense? Let's, uh, let's look at um, verse 9, the, uh, the response. A writing of Hezekiah. Here he is, verse 9. The, this is the response. So he's going to be healed, and we're almost done, just about 10 more minutes or so. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. Verse 10. I said, now here he's going back in time to a description of what he felt like, Um, and what he was going through when he was sick. He said, I said, in the middle of my days, I must depart. I am consigned to the gates of Sheol. Now, the middle of my days means that he knows that he's dying young. He's only 39 years old at the time. Hadn't had a whole life yet. And uh, I'm trying to find the, the Bible passage, but it's in the Proverbs. And the Proverbs teaches that God has generally here it is uh, no psalm psalm 90 verse 10 listen the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80 so the bible says you know the general lifespan is 70 you know sometimes you can make it to 80 general sometimes you can make it to 105 but hezekiah is saying i'm in the middle of my life i'm 39 years old and i'm going to be cut off and now that's that's a bummer that's terrible right that's terrible he says in the middle of my days i must depart I am consigned to the gates of Sheol. Um the ga- to be consigned to the gates of, to go through the gates of Sheol it I think and commentators point out that Hezekiah believes he's being cursed and condemned and being and going to be sent to punishment for his sins. That's what he's going through. And so this is a this is a slightly nuanced test of faith. This is not just the health test, but this is the health test plus the test of what we can call accusation or condemnation. Have you ever felt like God was going to punish you for your sins? Have you ever had that overwhelming feeling, right, that you were God would the all the bad things that you've done in your past that it's not God's not going to forgive you. You're going to pay for it. And I've I've gone through that before, and I don't if if you can have that. And it's just condemnation, accusation. You go through something like a health scare, like Hezekiah going through, and one of the thoughts you're having is that God's against me. God must not love me. Right. That right. Jared's saying, yeah, that's one of the things like, what have I done? I'm being condemned. And that can that can you can you can do that with any a lot of tests of faith. We're having financial crisis. God must hate me. He's cursing me. No, not. not necessarily. OK. Amen. That's the whole story of Job. Right. But Hezekiah thinks that and he's saying I'm, he's going to consign me to the gates of Sheol, which um it's sort of a, it's a difficult thing to interpret. Um, that's why the the translators just put sheol instead of an English word, because they're just like, you figure this one out. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> sheol um, can mean different things based on the context. Um, they didn't have the same level of revelation that we have about the afterlife. You understand what I'm saying? They didn't, they didn't know as much as we know, because they didn't have all the rest of the books and the New Testament. And so it's um <laughs> there's a lot to that but just that's just in short there he's i said i shall not see the lord the lord in the land of the living so he says that he's going to send me to to a place of torment <coughs> early in life and i'm not going to get to see the lord and that, and that probably means go to the temple and worship and know the lord um the lord in the land of the living i shall look on man no more No more friends, total isolation, not going to have any companions or anything again among the inhabitants of the world. Right. Kind of sad. Verse 12. Let's skip over to 12. My dwelling is plucked up and removed from me. So this is what he's going through in the trial, in the test of faith. He's saying my dwelling is plucked up (coughs) and removed from me like a shepherd's tent. Like a, a shepherd would go around with the sheep. So they had a little tent, pick up the tent, and then the sheep w- would have to move on to another pasture. And so the shepherd would roll up his tent and have to move on to another spot. He's like, my life, I'm, I'm a shepherd's tent. I'm being rolled up like a weaver. I've rolled up my life And which. And, and this seems like he's saying, I, whatever I've done, I'm the one that did this. I my sin. And so I rolled up my life. You know, he cuts me off from the loom. From day to night, you bring me to an end. See, that's that from day to night, you bring me to an end. I woke up this morning, and before the night, you're going to end me. All right. So, <coughs> excuse me, just a little excursus, because I don't want you to think bad about Hezekiah. You know, this doesn't seem like the model Christian when he finds out he's going to die. What, ideally, we would like to think, oh, you're going to die. What did Paul say? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, I, I would like to stay here. I have a lot of work to do, and you guys are all nice, but I'd rather go and be with Jesus. And that's kind of how it's pictured, like, you know, but death is, death is terrible, right? Dying is terrible. It's scary. It's the enemy. Amen. And, uh, and so I don't want to be too hard on Hezekiah, but it is interesting that Paul, is saying, Paul says to live is Christ, to die is gain. Well, I'd like to be more like Paul than less like Hezekiah, I suppose. But what do you think is the difference between Paul and Hezekiah? Paul's got a lot more revelation than Hezekiah. Paul knows what the afterlife is like. He went there. Okay? So, th- he went to heaven. I feel like if you would go to heaven and you see it, and then you're about to die, it's, I mean, wow. Zero doubt. Right? <laughs> So he's in house arrest when he writes these particular things, Paul does, and, and he knows he's kind of on death row and he's sentenced to die, but he's like, to live is Christ, to die is game. So I think it's important for us, we don't get to see heaven before we get there, but we got to take Paul's word for it, right? He, he he Paul just has a different take on it than Hezekiah, and it's because he went there and saw it. That's right. He was taken up into the third heavens and given a vision, given a vision of heaven, Um Hezekiah had less revelation than Paul, right? And it's possible that Hezekiah is going to go to Sheol, not heaven. And so there's, there's, it's hard for us to know these things, but it seems as though before Jesus Christ died on the cross and was raised from the dead, there was a place that believers went um, before they went to, um, to the presence of God, right? And so it's hard to know these things for sure, but if you know the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, they are near each other. They can like see each other. The, the, the rich man is in torment. Lazarus is not in torment, but they're not in they're not in um like the throne room of heaven, what we think of as the New Jerusalem or anything like that. The new Jerusalem, I believe, was built after by Jesus afterward. I go to prepare a place for you. And he prepares this place. I don't think it existed before. And so so Paul has that on, on, on his side as well. And um, <coughs> And, yeah, so I want to be more like Paul, but I'm not, I don't want to be hard on Hezekiah for uh, being too negative about this. Um, verse 15, what shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. Now, I want you to really see this. We only have four minutes left, but this is very important, I think. Verse 15, he's at the end of his song, or coming to the end. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. Done what? Healed him. He saved him, right? Remember, this is, a so- this is a song in response to being healed, right? By the way, this is proof we don't have to only sing psalms. We can also sing other songs. There are people out there that are like, we can only sing psalms. It's like, Well, Hezekiah sang another one. And, and it even says they sang some other ones in church. So we can sing songs and psalms, it's fine. I know none of y'all are wrestling with that, but just in case somebody gets on their high horse and (laughs) takes things too far. But he says right here, and he himself has done it. I walk slowly, no, this is the phrase right here. I walk slowly all my years. It can be translated, I walk softly all my years. I was gonna die, I prayed to him, I went through this whole trial, and he healed me, and he saved me. And now he says, now I'm going to walk softly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul, which is not a great translation. Uh, He's not angry with God. He's just he has the, the the idea is that he will be forever changed with his brush with death. Right. He will walk with sobriety and wisdom and dependence on the Lord. And isn't that true when you go through a test of faith? When you finally come out the other end, you're a different person. And you're a wiser person, a better person, a stronger person, a person that's never been through the tests of faith, or they fold like a lawn chair as soon as it's as soon as it comes, they don't, they don't get the benefits of it. They don't get stronger, they don't get wiser. But people who've been through the tests of faith and they endured and, and took the pressure and didn't sin and didn't cave, right? Because it gets worse, it can get worse the longer you don't cave. It can intensify, right? That's why I always th- imagine how intense the temptation of Jesus was, because he never caved. Like we cave after thirty seconds, he never caved. So the inten- the temptation had to have grown intense throughout the course of his entire life, right? All the way until he's on the cross, and the Roman soldier is like, "Come down off that cross." He's getting tempted his whole life, and that it's just intense, and. Um, you know, we have one, we get sad, a bad day at work, and we fall, fall to temptations just like that, right? Our wife says something mean to us, and just like that, we fall into temptation, Uh, but Jesus wasn't, he held on, but Hezekiah holds on, he says, now after all of this, the rest of my life, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna be humble, and I'm gonna be sober, and I'm gonna be wise, and I'm, and I'm gonna depend on the Lord. Amen? Amen. Y'all have a good evening.